Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Amino's World and thank you to everybody who tunes in every week and thank you for sharing your your thoughts and comments on these podcasts because to know that this is having a positive impact on so many people makes the world of a difference to me and I I I really can't express how much gratitude I have to everybody who who gives me their time and gives these podcasts the time of day because they, they do take quite a lot of effort to get through and to get ready, especially with a three-month-old baby at home. Uh, this week, I have Jussie, and it took us four takes to, to get us going with the podcast because Radhika was, was getting a bit cranky, and I think she's teething, which is why she's um, she's a bit out of routine and a bit out of touch. So uh, thank you, Jussie, for being patient with me. Uh, Jussie is another incredible person, and I don't want to say too much in, in the introduction, but all I want to say is that... She's created a life and she's created such a beautiful family despite the experiences that she's faced in her life. And to see that she's so willing to help other people and to see how open she is about her story because she knows, she knows that this can help so many other people and start such such an important conversation around foster care and, and, and family life. So uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I did record it as a video as well on Zoom, which will be up on YouTube. Remember, you can find all my episodes on meanoldsworld.com as well. Um, so you can also listen to Juggy, who is Jussie's husband. And Juggy was on the episode last week as well. So have a listen and let me know what you think. Uh, this is this is one emotional episode again. And as I told Jussie, I don't make to, I don't mean to make my my guests cry, but this is what happens. This is what happens when you have deep conversations with incredible people like Juggy and Jussie. So. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, uh, you're in for, for something quite incredible. Thank you for joining me today, Jesse. This is the fourth time we're recording and I really hope I don't have to go through this introduction again. <laughs> um, but thank you for, for joining me. I interviewed Juggy last week and he told me about your story and the beauty about these interviews I have, Jesse, is that it isn't just about that one thing. There's so many layers to every story and so many different angles that we, we can we can talk about. And, you know, your story involves so much. It revolves around mental health, family values, um, foster care. So there's a lot I want to talk about today, Jesse. And you can tell I'm getting really excited already. So I'm just going to take a step back. <laughs> and let's let's go back to where it all started, Jesse. Um, your father had, had committed suicide and you were very young at that age. and you know, you were one of four siblings. What was that like at that age to go through that? And also, were you able to compute what was happening at that time? Um, I think it was it was really difficult. I've, we'd just lost our dad. I mean, I I didn't. Um, I don't think my mum even knew how to tell me. It was me and her in the car at the time when she got the phone call, and. I asked if everything was okay because I could just see tears streaming down her eyes and she ended up going through a red light and obviously the news had just completely disturbed her. Um, and I remember sitting in the back seat and thinking, something's not right. Um, and then we got to, she was just like, oh, your dad's not well. And I think, because how do you tell a young child? I mean, Jacob's five, so probably only a year or two older than him. And, you know, we've had a couple of deaths in the family recently and and they understand and they know what's going on before you even tell them because they can just sense it, can't they? Um, 
And I don't think she knew how to tell me. And she just said, he's not well, we need to go and see him. And I remember walking into the same hospital. My nanny had just passed away, I think, the year before and um, from from cancer, which was also a really, really difficult thing. I, I remember because I was so close to her. But I remember walking through the same corridor and she said, oh, um, you can write a note for your dad. Um, and I, I remember getting a note, a bit of paper and a pen from the receptionist and and I've, I think I wrote down from memory all of our siblings' names. I just didn't really know what to do. I couldn't. I didn't understand what was going on. I thought there's more to this, um, and I, it was just something that I had to wait and see, like what what has happened, what's gone on. And she wasn't really talking. Um, and then I remember we were walking in the same direction to the same hall to the same building that we did when my grandma had passed, my nanny had passed away. Um, where the the morgue is that right? I can't remember. Yeah, where the, where they keep all the bodies, and um, I think when when we rung the bell to go in and we were waiting, I kind of thought I remember going there previously to see my nanny, and I think that's when it I kind of thought no, like something's not right. But then at the same time, I was so young to kind of fully understand. I just had to. It was only when I saw him. Um, it it was really difficult. And I think even after that, it took a bit of time for, sorry. Sorry, Jesse. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting emotional listening to you as well, because I spoke to my dad last night and we had a really emotional conversation about just life and to know that I'm, I'm very grateful that I could have a conversation with my father last night. That's what I'm just thinking about right now, listening to your story. So, um, just take a moment if you need, Jesse. No, that's okay. It's really weird sometimes that you can talk about it and not show your emotions and you're fine and you just hide it. And I think you just kind of get used to it sometimes. But then other times you talk about it and... I think, Jesse, I'm getting a really bad reputation of getting making my guests cry on my show now. Because even with Jackie last week, I was <laughs> he was tearing up and so was I. And I don't want this to be the theme of the podcast, just tears. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it... I. It was something that I had to kind of discover on my own because I, she, my mum just didn't know how to tell me that this so, had happened. So, Jesse, your, kind of, your father had committed suicide and you told me that yeah. your uncle had found him. Yeah. Where where did he find him? Do you know about any of these in, details? In the family home. Um, we used to have, like, an outdoor... In, in those star houses before the terraced houses, there was, like, an outdoor shed. Um, he came to go pick him up after work before doing the school run because I think he, he was going to pick my sister and my up like the elder brother out of the two up um and that that was when he found him now Jesse you're one of four siblings your father passed away and as you, your mother had to deal with her husband's death she had to deal with explaining what has happened to her four kids but at the same time, she had to just move on with life because life was still going on. You still had to go to school. Yeah. You still had to be fed. How did your mom cope with that? And do you do you have a memory of of what it was like with like what kind of coping coping mechanisms your family had to get through this time? I just um, I remember my sister being there for us a lot. Of all the siblings, she kind of took on the mother role um, and 
cared, like, cared for us really, but she was only a year older than me. We're all pretty much a year apart, um, four of us as well. So, yeah, can you imagine? But, um, yeah, I don't think my mum wasn't there mentally. She wasn't really caring for us. I think people were there initially mainly for the around the, the period of like with the funeral, but then after that, everyone kind of just goes off and does their own thing and there's there's no one really about I don't know if you you kind of picked that up yourself with your own experiences with when there's a when there's a family death one of the things that I've seen especially around COVID is that um because I've, I've had a lot of family friends and um people I know who have passed away and it seems like everyone is there towards towards the, the last little bit of of their life where we know that yeah. it's not going to be good news and they pass away and then then after that, it just seems to be like, there just seems to be some radio silence where we don't know where everybody's gone. And and I think that's when you need the most support after yeah. after death because the coping mechanism as a single mother, as a widow, as someone who has four kids must have been, must have been so difficult, Jessie. And at, at the age of six, I mean, what was going through your mind at that time? Like, did you, do you even have a memory of that? Or is that just like a big blur in your, in your head right now? I feel like we just kind of went, with through the motions of it all I think obviously it took some time to sink in I think even sometimes now it's like hard to comprehend everything that did happen and I feel really bad for my youngest brother because he was so young that he doesn't really have any real memories with my dad which is such a shame because you know that's your father um whereas the elder brother out of the two he that him and my dad were like so so close and I remember there'd be a routine with my dad all the time when he'd make his breakfast in the morning he'd actually do this weird concoction of like Indian tea for like the milk in our cornflakes and we used to absolutely love it <laughs> um and I, rem- I would still picture him getting the breakfast ready in the kitchen um and then on weekends sorry it's okay Jesse. take your time Yeah, and then on weekends he used to take us to the Godwara, take us swimming, take us to the library. Like those three things every single weekend he used to make sure that we'd do. I used to join him at work a lot of the time, obviously when I could, when I was a bit younger and I didn't have school. And I, I remember d- doing that with him. Um, so yeah, it it was it was quite hard um I don't think our mum was really there taking care of us and we didn't really know who to tell or who to turn to and we didn't want to say anything to anyone else around us because there's that fear that you don't want to get your you know your family into trouble um or what's going to happen or you know um but was it only until you went into school and teachers started to notice that something wasn't right that things started to change so I think um, social services got involved because obviously with my mum being a single parent after everything that had happened and they were doing their visits but I think there was just a bit of a front part on and as, as if everything's kind of okay but if they dug a bit, little bit deeper maybe or kind of, you know, I, I don't know, spent a bit more time with us, maybe they would have picked upon it sooner. I think the schools took quite some time. Maybe there, there was that fear a bit more back then as well. Um, or not enough understanding and knowledge, but a lot of the time we were 
going into school, um, like hair not combed, not the correct clothes on, or they hadn't been washed, or you know, not coming in with our PE kit, um, you know, just things that I would. But my Jacob, when he goes to school, I like to make sure everything's perfect. I'm a bit OCD and over the top, and like to get everything prepared the night before um, and make sure he's always got everything. I think I remember one day I actually forgot his PE kit um, because I thought it was already at school, like at the start of the week. And I remember that feeling that horrible dread that you get and rushing back home to get his PE kit so he didn't feel out of place or anything and rushing back to school to go drop it off before heading to work. Um, But... Yeah, it was just, I, I think the schools maybe noticed things, but slowly over time and then maybe kind of gave their report when social services did get involved. But I feel like maybe they could have picked upon it a lot sooner or knowing that there'd been a death in the family, given more of their time and attention. So Jesse, what was it like? What was that mourning period like after your father had passed away? When you were at home, you were still going to school, you would come back home. What was the environment like? Was your mom still capable um, of dealing with her husband's death and taking care of you at the same time? Or were you just trying to take care of yourselves as young kids? We were just taking care of ourselves, really, as young kids. Um, and then I think the... I don't think any of the family members were really there or really cared or even thought to think, are they okay? Apart from my mum, he used to try and come by but he wasn't like my mum had pushed everyone away at that point I think because in it is in him but those I think those close to you and around you you kind of push away sometimes when you need them most um and but with yeah I think he was trying to be there for us as, as much as he could and it, but eventually he was able to foster well not foster he adopted me and my sister um and um eventually later on down the line well my brothers were in care for some time as well um but then my mum was able to take them but she kind of fought to have them back so Jesse, you you were in school and you were you were going to school in a very unkempt in some 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 situations you were quite unkempt your hair wasn't done your clothes weren't mm. one of the right ones your teachers obviously noticed this and this is when your life changed you went into foster care yeah so was this when you went to live with your your uncle, your your mum's brother, or was this? Did you actually go into a foster home? Yeah, we went to into a foster home first with a foster family. So first we were placed in emergency care, um, which was just temporary, um, and then until they could find a home, like a long term foster home for us, because you get a short term and then long term as well. Right. Um, so if we went. And then, then we were placed again into another care home um, with our long-term foster family. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I really want to know like the, the details of this because, I, as as a doctor, when I'm in when I'm working and there are situations where I see, okay, this is not right, this is not right, I have to refer to social services as part of our job. But yeah. the issue with my job is Jesse is that I don't see what happens after that because I just refer. And then that's the end yeah. of my job. Then it just goes to social services. Oh, it goes into the, the children go to the foster care. And I just pray that the pr- the procedures after that are done in the right way. But yeah. you were sent to emergency care first. Now, that, mm. that was the first step to get you out of the situation. Yeah. What was that 
what was that like? As in, did, did they just come to your house and take you and your siblings away? Was your mother okay with this? How did this all, how did this all like play out? Yeah, from what I remember, I think we were at my mama's house at the time and they asked to speak to him. And this is like vague memory because we were little kids and I remember them coming in and saying that you're going to come with us and, you know, you probably won't see your family for a little while. And um, and I think as a child, you're kind of just a bit scared. You don't know what's going on. You just go with it and listen to your elders around you because um, he wasn't our legal guardian at that point so he didn't really you know he can't have much of a say um, and I don't think we really quite fully understood it I think we were just waiting to see what happens next then what then what's going to happen sort of thing and and I remember we we just walked into some offices because it was quite a dark it was quite dark outside so it must have been a really late evening and we walked into some offices, no one was there, so it must have been at least six, seven o'clock at night. And um, I remember the, the lady that we were with, she was making some phone calls, arranging for us to go someone and, and go into care. Um, and I don't really think we had a lot with us because then initially this the, the carer had to go out shopping and buy us some clothes and pyjamas and, and bits and bobs. So... Um, yeah, and then we were separated from our brothers. So me and my sister were kept together. And then both of my brothers were separated completely. Wow. And when you were in this emergency care, Jesse, were mm. you with other kids as well? Or was it just you and your sister? Um, it was me and my sister. And there was this other child. She was younger than us. Um, but the, the family were absolutely lovely. Um and we actually felt really happy there, really cared for. Um, Did you miss your mum at all? Sorry? Did you ever think about your mum at all when you were in, in emergency care? Did you miss her? Did you miss your your, your family life that you, you had? I think, that, yeah, there was, an, uh, there was an element of that. Obviously, we'd just lost our dad as well, but we weren't being cared for for quite some time. And then I think we actually knew what it liked to be cared for again. So I think we... We actually, because we were so well cared for in this new home and really made to feel part of the family, um, and this couple that looked after us, they went absolutely above and beyond. We, of course, we missed that and we missed not being with our brothers and all together. But at the same time, we were... At the same time, we were being fed... And like the simple things, having a nice warm home to go back to, having people there to care for you, not being left alone. Because there were times before where as kids we were just left alone um, and we didn't know where our mum was and no one else was there. So you couldn't actually imagine, obviously you've got children, you wouldn't ever imagine leaving them alone. I, I wouldn't ever leave Jacob alone. Or Caleb, obviously, but yeah, we were quite young. We were really young at the time. Sorry, I can't. No, Jesse, I'm, I'm trying to hold it in. But... I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. I, I, I look at Radhika sometimes, and even she, if she's in a little bit of pain, or even if she's a, a little bit anxious or a little bit scared, I, I jump straight away. Like I can't, I can't leave yeah. her. And I, 
I'm not I'm not saying this as an attack on other women because it's difficult, Jesse. You know, your mother may have had a lot of other things going in her head that she didn't have a chance to speak about. I know my own mother has gone through so much yeah. crap in her own life that she hasn't spoken about, and that's resulted in her having to make some decisions decisions or or do some things that she wouldn't usually do. But because she's yeah. bottling so much in, she's there are some things that she did, and fine, you have to just forgive it, and you just have to move on. And your mother yeah. went through a very tough time with four kids, and she did... I'm sure to some extent she did the best that she could to what she what 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 she was capable of. Hmm. I know she was like I know I remember at points that she was going to work and I think because there wasn't really that support around us as in other people, um sometimes we were left with babysitters, but they were young and they were just, you know, not really capable of looking after us themselves or or I remember, you know, driving into a work car park once, but obviously kids weren't allowed to go in or be there. And it was like, just wait for me in the car and, you know, things like that. So I understand that. Like you said, you have to kind of like move on. And you, she still had to work and, you know. and But then there were times where we were just left at home and we were trying to make food for ourselves. Like not food wasn't there cooked and left for us. But we were really young. I wouldn't ever. When you look back at it now, you just think, oh, my goodness. Like I just would never, ever dream of leaving my child alone. And imagine like how scared they would be. Jesse, when you were in emergency care or when you started mm-hmm. the whole process of getting into foster care I have a couple of questions because your fam your your idea of family life completely changed it wasn't mummy daddy me my sister and my two brothers it's completely changed now yeah did you ever get a chance to meet your brothers or did your mum get a chance to come to see you or yeah it was we didn't get to see each other often obviously every meeting had like every meeting had to be planned and arranged around obviously everyone's schedules um and you know when a room is available for us to all meet together um which was quite hard because there were long periods of time that we we wouldn't see each other I was I mean I was lucky to have my sister so we're really close we're really close even now anyone that knows us knows how close we are um and I used to always kind of like hide behind her and she'd answer all the questions and you know kind of like take care of me as such even even when we were in a foster setting and whereas my brothers they had no one at all and it was just them on their own um so I just can't imagine how that must have felt for them I think especially my older brother having been so close to my dad um and my youngest brother he I think he was just too young way too young at the time he was almost like a little baby toddler to even understand what's going on but I think I do really feel like he misses that now not having those memories or not even though they weren't you know some of these memories weren't the best night like nicest experience no you wouldn't wish it upon anyone but I think sometimes he kind of would rather have gone through that and actually had memories of my dad and Jesse, when your mum would come and visit you, um, what would she say to you? What would you say to her? What was, what was that like? That was for a while, I think, but it just felt almost a bit strange. And I think there was a lot of emotions involved as well in terms of a bit of resentment as well with everything that had gone on. Um, 
but then also just feeling a bit like a, a strange like when do you know when you first meet someone for the first time and you feel a bit shy and you don't really know them but on on the other side when when I would meet up as as in just as siblings it felt like we hadn't been apart for a single day so wow yeah so Jesse, you were in foster care and so were your brothers that's one side of the story yeah. What was your mum doing at this time? Did any any sort of charity get involved with her? Did anybody help her? Because she was obviously in a very diff- difficult situation as well. I mean, her kids have been taken away. She's lost her husband. And you said yeah. a lot of family weren't really in the picture at that time. So do you, did you know what was happening then? Or do you know what, what she was going through? No, I don't really know. I don't really think so, maybe. And I think even like with us as kids, I think, you know, everyone needs some form of like support in terms of psychology um like psychological support um whether you've gone through something or not I think there's always some element of needing that and I remember when we were going through everything that we were asked to see someone and we were young so I think I think we were given the option like are you okay would you like to speak to this person and we kind of felt like no why do we need that but Actually, we probably did really need it more than ever, more than anyone. Um, and I remember we did go to a couple of sessions, but I don't know. I don't really feel like they continued on. And I feel like that support should have been there a bit more to have explained things. I think the biggest thing for us is that things weren't really explained. We weren't really kept informed too much. We were just going day by day with whatever was coming at us. Um, and I think there was that fear as well when a social worker would come and see us and see how we're doing in our care, like in our foster home, that fear of, oh, are they here to actually care for us or are they here to like catch us out about something? Are we ever going to see our family again if we say something wrong? So there was that element as well. But um, in terms of like um, support for like your mental health, um, I think that could have been there a lot more. And I think that should have been mandatory given what everything that had gone on um but just it should have continued i i agree i mean we're talking about decades ago really um yeah, it makes it sound really well, old but we're not that old <laughs> but it was no, um, it was a long time ago and the conversation about mental health and family it was all very different back then i mean it was different back then in a european society in a white society let alone a south asian community so we were way behind yeah even back then how many how many times did you have to move around um from foster home to foster home because I don't know if you've read this book Jesse it's called The Child Called It and it's written by a guy Mm. called Dave Pelzer um I read this book when I was about 12 years old and that's when I first found out about foster care and I started to read about it so I won't spoil it for you Jesse but it might be something that you'd be interested to read because he talks about his experiences in foster care because um, mm. he he had to leave home as well, but from from what I know and from what I've read, there are either two sides. Either it's it's really great and you got foster parents who really give everything they have, but also you, yeah. on the flip side, you can have some foster homes where there are too many kids to take off, to to look after, and it can become quite chaotic and quite hectic. Um, how many foster homes did you go through, and and how many years were you in foster care for? We went to two, and I think, um, oh, from memory, I think what ours was like one of the longest cases, our like biggest cases that they had dealt with. 
Um, and so we went to one was obviously the emergency and then one was the long term that could have us a, a lot longer. But there was such a big difference in both of them, as in the first one, the emergency one, it was, they just went above and beyond for us. It was like we were their sole purpose, like to care for us and, and you know, be there in any way that we needed. It was like the perfect family if you, like, that was what you'd picture as it you know the perfect family um it was you know it was really really nice um so we were quite lucky in that sense the second home was very different I mean there were three of the kids there of their own then they ended up taking on on another foster kid as well as us two being there we were in like um not that it mattered but we were in like a really tiny box room with a with a bunk bed um and like a tiny little window but you know that was we were happy with that. It, it didn't matter. It, you know those things don't matter. But I mean, it was just very different. There was a lot of us. It was quite crammed, and we weren't really we weren't really the focus. It was just you know here to do a job. It kind of felt like just you know there to do a job sort of thing, and you know that that's what it is. I think that's what the difference was in them both. Like I think feel like the first one they really cared, and you know this was their life's purpose sort of thing and the other one it was more like a a job and I think you could really see that and sense that so I feel like whenever I encourage anyone to foster it always has to be for the right reasons because as children I think I think a lot of people seem to forget and, and think oh they're just little kids and they don't understand but you sense so much as a child and you pick up on so much and I remember that from my younger years, like when adults were there trying to be secretive about something, you knew what was going on and you didn't you didn't show them that you did, but you knew that there's more to something or you kind of got the gist of what was going on when they're trying to talk in their secret like little code language. But you know, I don't know if you know what I mean, but I feel like, you know, you you they wouldn't let off too much, but you'd completely know what's going on. Were you able to integrate with the other kids was that easy for you or did you shy away from that and just sort of stick with your sister because that was what you knew and that was probably I mean I wouldn't blame you that was probably the most comfortable thing to do as well um no we we got on well I mean they were there were three boys they were all boys actually so we did have our moments sometimes where we didn't quite get on but um yeah it, I mean it was it was okay I mean a lot of the time we were at school anyway weren't we um and it'd be more the weekends but no we most of the time we got on really well I think we just had our moments on the odd occasion here and there where we didn't and I think it felt like because there was that difference between us like their actual own kids and us um but I, I mean for my older brother he I think he would have really struggled I think sometimes there's still things that he needs to deal with that he hasn't really accepted um and he was placed in a in a home as in do you know I think I just picture Tracy Beaker the show where there's like a big home with loads of kids that was his sort of situation um and then for my younger brother it was very different this family that fostered him actually wanted to go on and adopt him they absolutely adored him so so your um, your brothers were separated and yeah. you two you two were together yeah wow so so for your youngest brother this this probably to some extent was his normal 
Yeah. At least you experience some sort of normality. Um, and so did your elder sister and your elder brother. But Jesse, at any point at all, I'm sure, I don't know if you'd be able to answer this question because it probably did fluctuate from time to time, but did you ever miss your mother? I think I think we missed, like, not having that family like life that we used to, like, not having that normal family life as in a mum and a dad and going to school and being cared for, just, like, the simple, basic things that most people have. And I think when we used to, like, me and my sister especially, growing up through, uni- like, college, university... Then one of the things that would grate on us is sometimes um, seeing how other children didn't quite realise how lucky they are to have a parent and not really respect and appreciate them. Um, so I think sometimes that would, like for us, it feel a bit frustrating. That just thinking, you know, you should. I remember saying it to a, a close friend of mine before because she, she, the way she'd speak to her dad sometimes, I'd just be a bit like, oh my god, but I just. Uh, and she knew, my, obviously she knew about my situation, not in detail, because people would ask and go, oh, why do you live with your uncle? This was later on in life. Or, you know, why have you got a mum and dad? You never seem to talk about them. Um, and very briefly, you kind of brush over it and explain, like, you know, your dad passed away and that's it. And I think it's a bit awkward, like, oh, what do you say to that? Um, and people don't know quite how to like, deal with it. But... Um, Oh, yeah, I remember sometimes, like, me and my sister used to talk about it and go, oh, because we'd have, like, quite a similar friend circle, but only been a year apart, and just say, you know, like, you should respect and appreciate your dad a bit more, and, you know, you're so lucky to have him there. Because um, it's only when when think you don't have something, you, you only realise then that you've, you know, what, you, what you've lost out on. And, and Jesse, yeah. at what point did you start, What at what point did you move in with your uncle, and was it all the siblings who moved in together? No, so it was quite a long, drawn-out process. He was quite young himself. Um, and I think, they were obviously, with us being two females and him not being married at the time, um, you know, there was a lot of, how are you going to talk about certain things, like the menstrual cycle, what about when it, when it comes to that? Or, you know, doing, doing simple things like, well, what about, you know, when they need to learn how to, like, when, when to wax and if they've got girly things that they want to talk about, you know, who's going to be there for, there for them then? Um, and then I think he kind of thought about settling down and um, eventually he was able to take us on. But it was quite a long, drawn-out process. Um, and then, obviously, he was only young and starting up his own life at the time um, and wasn't able to take on all four of us not at once. So I think he, he thought, you know, the two girls, because people already saw us as, oh, you know, they're just going to end up like this now that they've been in care or you know they will stray they from, like from they'll they'll struggle or yeah they'll have a like I think they just thought the worst in us because we'd been in foster care and we didn't have parents and this like when when you'd see family or bump into our family this like pity for us and yeah I just don't get it but um, how old were you when you moved in with your uncle Jesse um early teens Okay, so you were in foster care for about six, six to eight years, you'd say. Oh, so before we were with our uncle, we were fostered by my auntie for a short period of time right. as well, just okay, before fine. that, um, before he was able to fully take us on. Okay. So, yeah. And Jesse, throughout this whole timeline that we've spoken about, from emergency care to foster care, to moving with your aunt and then your uncle, 
Did your dad's family ever play a role in your life? Quite bluntly, we talk to my dad's side of the family now, but no one was ever there for us at all when all of this happened. I mean, they said that they, they looked for us and, I mean, it's not like we'd moved across the other side of the country and that they couldn't find us or, we'd, you know, we'd run off to India or something and, you know, couldn't, there's no way of knowing where we are. We were still there. We were still in, in our hometown. Um, and, you know, everyone knows everyone that's the Indian community. If you want, And if we, you know we've gone through social care, so contact social services. No one, no, no one did. And I think there is still a... Like, I think sometimes we even hear them say that now. And it's just they're like, well, you know, you kind of feel like saying, well, no, surely if you really wanted to be there for us and that was your eldest son that, you know, we're his kids, and me and my sister are the only girls in the whole of the family, you know, surely you would have thought, we need to look, like, do our bit and take care of his kids. Like, surely that's what he'd, he he would have wanted. Mm. Um, so, Jesse, no, why, why no do you think was. they didn't reach out? Why do you think that was the case? I mean, you're someone's niece, you're someone's cousin, from your dad's side of the family, I mean, you're someone's granddaughter. I mean, you, you do have a connection with them. Do you know why that happened at all? Or do you think that they were so shocked by the whole situation about the elder son passing away, they they couldn't, they, they just didn't have the capacity to do that? Well, obviously the thought must have gone through their head about taking care of us, because why would you say that otherwise? I mean, surely that was there, but it's whether you really mean it or not. And I mean, I get taken on, a child that's not your own is a big responsibility but at the same time I know and I don't know if that's just one personal experience but if anything ever happened to me I know my sister would be there for my kids I know my brothers would be there for my kids and you know and and vice versa um I just think that you know, maybe maybe they just didn't want the responsibility of it. And I'm putting it quite bluntly and, you know, they'll probably see this, but this is how I feel and I'm just going to say it. If you really wanted to know where we were, you could have easily found out and stepped in. Not when we'd actually been legally taken on by my uncle, come and join us then. You found us then, perfectly fine. And he'd moved to a completely different part of um the UK and you know that's that's when they eventually came to see us for the first time in such a long time but Jesse before I move on I just I just want to say you're very brave for, for speaking out and, and being very honest about how you feel about family members I think that's a, a very difficult thing to do especially as girls and wives yeah. and sisters it's difficult but you know well done for speaking up and I, I feel no, quite that's... empowered listening to you as well so <laughs> I don't know, it's fine. I think you just get to the point in life where, I think especially when you've been through so much, um, I think you just value things and appreciate things a bit more. And I think that, you know, if someone wants to be there for you, they will be there and they will be a part of your life. There's there's no obstacles in the way. But um, I think you just get to a point where you know who's there for you and who isn't and you just don't have the time for any any negativity or anything else any nonsense really (laughs) yeah and I think we're just taught for so long to kind of just put up with people's behavior and stay quiet and not do anything and you know be the better person and just you know keep quiet and you know 
just not say anything about it or discuss it. But yeah, I, I think that's just something that needs to change. You, you know, your own happiness is important and I, I deserve to be happy right now and I'm just going to only have people around me that, that do make me happy and add value to my life. So Jesse, when you had moved in with your, your aunt and then your uncle um, after that, did you still meet your, your mother at this time? I mean, what was your relationship like with your mom then? Um, it wasn't really great, to be honest. Um, we'd, we'd see her maybe here and there, maybe a couple, not even a handful of times um, during the meetups. But I think there was still a lot of resentment involved. Um, even now, we don't talk. We, I, I spoke to her short, for a short period of time, tried to give things a go, but... It just didn't work, and I think that's because there was a lot going on. And I think, like we discussed earlier, she, I know obviously mental health is uh, a big thing, but I feel like, I think, I feel like there's obviously some blame on her or not being there for my dad and and things like that. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot there, and I think try to forgive and forget, but you know sometimes. Things just don't work out. Where is your mum right now, Jessie? Does she live alone or...? Um, well, I, I know she has some contact with my brothers at times, but, um, yeah, I think she's pretty much just doing her own thing. And when was the last time you saw her? Mm, so when I got married... Um, when I had my religious wedding, that was when I tried to give things a go and see how things were. Um, but yeah, it just didn't really work out. Wow. So, Jesse, I'm I'm sorry if I'm opening up old wounds, and I, I don't mean to <laughs> to do this, but I just think that as girls and as women, especially in this generation, we have a very mm. a lot of us can be can be quite fortunate to just have a really easy relationship with our moms and just get through it but it's not always the case um I've never really spoken about it on the podcast but I had a very difficult relationship with my own mother um mm. especially at university and it wasn't it wasn't anybody's fault it wasn't my fault it wasn't her fault it was just the situation I was growing up I was in Czech Republic I was studying medicine then it was a difficult time I didn't have that communication with my mother and I wasn't very very good at communicating how I felt neither was my mother so we were both like just at really odd positions in our life and it's taken us years I mean now she's like my best friend and we 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 share everything and I can't imagine doing anything without her but when you got married Jesse, that must have been a very emotional time for you because when I got married it was very difficult to get my mother on my side and to to do what a mother should do. But when you got married, it was it was quite different because you didn't have your father. Um, and that happiness that a mother has at her daughter's wedding was something you probably wished you had had. So is there a part of you that just wants to go back and say, look, let's start from scratch and let's, Let's just try and make this work because she is your mother and you you want that figure in your life. I just think there's um, a lot more involved to it. I know obviously I'm not, you know, fully discussing it because I feel, I think it's more like, oh, you know, just considering my um, other siblings and, and her and everyone else as well. 
but um, just that slight element of privacy. But I think that, you know, there is still a lot involved in terms of her mental health. And then I think I just had to kind of figure out what's right for me and my family and whether, you know, this is what I need in my life right now. Um, And it probably seems, you know, it probably sounds quite harsh, but I was just going through a lot at that time anyway. I was going through a lot of other stuff during that period of my life again. And, um, you know, I tried, but I don't think it was so much me. It was just things that she did that kind of made me feel like, right, I had made the right choice anyway um so yeah and I don't really feel like she was there again like really there as a mother like this was her opportunity to kind of put things right I gave her that it was such a big step and just yeah it just didn't work out um but I remember on my wedding I I remember um at the Godwara just really missing my dad I don't think it quite hit me I didn't really think about it but every time it was just when when we were sat down and they read his name out and that was the moment that it, I just remember crying and then I, can't, I remember feeling really stupid because people were probably thinking that she knows her dad's not here and Yeah, I remember feeling a bit stupid thinking, like, just trying to hold it in. But it was the moment they said his name that my emotions just kind of poured out. And I knew he was in there. I don't think it was really even on my mind on the day because there was so much other stuff going on. But it was just in that moment when they read his name out that it just, yeah, my feelings just, like, my emotions just completely poured out and kind of just, try to hold it in and hide it but yeah other than that I think I just I remember seeing obviously other people in place instead of my dad being there and I just remember thinking in those moments like oh really it should be it should be my dad doing this or yeah do you do you ever want your kids to to meet their grandmother or have a relationship with them is that important to you at all or they they I have thought of that because I don't want to be you know, like, I, f- I feel like it would, it's not really the, my decision to make. I don't feel like, obviously, part of it is, as in, I'm very protective of them in terms of everything that's happened in the past. And naturally, as a mother, I'm going to protect them. And, and I only want their mum, I call her mum, but mother-in-law. Because um, I see her as my mum. And... um the boys have got a really, really good relationship with their um, Bibi and Baba. Um, but I remember just... Um, I've completely lost my... It's okay. What I was going to say. It's okay, Jessie. I don't blame you. I but mean, we, we've spoken about a lot. I and... think... I think, do you know, and there's just so much in your head. It's just like, after I have a conversation, I'm just like, oh. I just, yeah, I think, I think you need to go out for a nice fresh walk after this. Yeah. <laughs> Get some fresh air. No, but I, I just, you know... I mean, I have a lot of complicated relationships as well in my own family. And I, yeah. I do think, do I want Radhika to meet these people? Do I want her to have a relationship? Yeah. And you you make a good point. Sometimes it's not your decision to make. And I think that as a parent, you just have to explain things from an objective point of view rather than a subjective yeah. point of view and say, look, this is this person. This is the role they play mm. in my life. 
This is their number. This is their Facebook. If you want to yeah. contact them, go ahead. Because as children, I feel my brother and I were quite protected that we couldn't speak to certain people because there was so much going on and we didn't really understand. Mm. But I thought, and I think back now, Jesse, like if I did speak to them, I don't think I would have lost anything. I don't think anything would have changed. It would have just meant that I would have known yeah. certain people better in my life. And Jacob and, and Caleb are very, very young right now. And yeah. their life is being shaped according to the influences around them. So I understand why you're so protective over them because I'm like that with Radhika. Mm-hmm. She's only three months. And anytime someone even frowns next to her, I'm like, no, I only want her to see smiley faces. That's it. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, I think I was, um, yeah, my, that's what I was going to say. I remember my, I was saying to my mother-in-law, I just want any like positive energy around my children. And, you know, the kind of people that they're around will shape who they are. And I don't I don't care about anything else, but but their happiness. That's my bit. That's the biggest thing to me. And even Juggy, I think Juggy sometimes feels like he's forgotten about because my main focus is my children now. It's not him anymore. And um, yeah, sometimes we laugh and joke about it, but I think there is a serious element to it as well. But um, yeah, I think there was a, a, for quite some time. And, and when I know that they're around people that I don't fully feel comfortable with, I am watching like a hawk. I'm just there, like trying to play it cool, but, you know, just keeping an eye on my boys, making sure that they're okay and, you know... And I think that's just the protective side of me. And I think even more so because of what I've been through, I just want them to be happy and okay. And 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 around the right people that, and around, just around people that actually genuinely, truly care for them. Um, but they have met her. They have met her in the past. Um, they don't fully understand and know who she is. I try not to talk about it too much. I don't think that... And and because they've not really got that relationship with her, they don't really ask. Um, It's more my brother, he'll... If I send him pictures, he'll kind of send pictures on because they still have a relationship with her. Um, But I think I'd need to think about it. And obviously, it's a joint decision as well with Juggy and as to what we do. Um, But just their, their... they're my main priority. And if later on in life they said, oh, we do want a, you know, a proper relationship with her, then, you know, that's their choice to make. But at the moment, obviously, yeah, part of it's not really up to me to decide in a way, but at the same time, I have a duty of care for them. Well, you so, have to make certain decisions for them, Jesse. I mean, yeah, they're not capable of making yeah. every decision in their life. At the yeah. moment, they're too, they're too young and, and fragile and... I know, I know we are pressed for time, Jesse, and I I could go on talking about lots of different things with you forever. Um, oh, no, I think it, we could talk. I think talk, we could just easily talk for talk a long forever. time, Jesse. And <laughs> I, know, I know we've spoken about a lot of different things and a lot of different aspects of your life and a lot of different elements. And to know that you've, you've married Juggy, who's also gone through his own experiences with, mm. with mental health. And <sighs> what is your main goal in life now apart from the happiness of your children and that as you mentioned has your experiences created a drive in you to to do something to to make a change in our society i mean what is your what is your goal now with with what you have seen in your life yeah i mean like i said before when you're when when i encourage other people to foster my main thing is you need to be fully there to support this child because you don't know what sort of background they're coming from um, so, you know, you need to, it's not just, like, you need to fully invest in this child. Um, 
So it's fostering is something that me and Juggy have always spoken about. Um, and we have like we've said we've said that when the time's right, as in the boys are a little bit older and they're capable of understanding things as well, that we'd definitely foster. Um I've na- I'm now currently working on a, a charity with um a number of people um called Calcer Fostering. And it's, you know, we're just getting our feet off the ground. Um, we've already helped a, a number of people were there to support them when it comes to foster care and just educating people because especially now during this pandemic, um, there's been more of a need for foster carers. And not only that, but I feel like um it is it's apparent that there's more of a need as in within our community to come forward because there just isn't enough of us um, stepping forward and looking to care for children that need it. Because one of the biggest things for me were that, you know, it's just the simple things. I completely lost touch. Like We were fluent in our Punjabi. My Punjabi is now very broken because we didn't have that whilst we were in care. And, um, you know, going to the Godwara, simple things like that, or just being in touch with our culture um and whereas if we were probably in a in a care home with someone that shared the same beliefs and whatnot we we maybe would have still you know I'd probably still be speaking fluent Punjabi but I just don't have that anymore I'm not very confident with it anymore and when when I would like to be um so it's just little things like that so uh, the whole um you know our main drive with Calcer Fostering is to encourage more of us in our community to step forward to care for these children that need it now more than ever and there is children in the Asian community that are going into foster care um but there's not that support there so that's what we're looking to provide yeah that that's incredible Jessie I mean I didn't think about that you actually start to lose your identity as you go through this journey of foster care from home to home Mm. you you start to lose touch with who you really are and where you're from and I think that's yeah. that's really incredible, Jesse, and I wish you all the best with everything. Um, I cannot thank you enough for being so honest and candid on on the podcast because I, I promise this is never my intention to make my <laughs> guests cry. But <laughs> I just think that you know, especially with you and Juggy, I've had a there's something that we can connect on on a much deeper level. Yeah, and I'm really grateful that you've you've given your time and you've uh, you've been patient with me, especially throughout the morning with with the baby as well. Um, but Jesse, if has Calcer Foundation kicked off already? Is there any way people can get in touch with you? Yeah, we are on Instagram and Facebook. So um, yeah, we're just under Calcer Fostering. I mean, I share it on my page a lot of the time as well. Okay, so um, I'll add those links so, yeah. into the description if people want to get in touch with yeah. you. Um, well, thank you very much, Jesse. I know we're short on time now, but thank you for, for giving me your time today. No, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I was trying to hold in my emotions. I think you I think you just make everyone cry because they're just such raw topics that are just, you know, and like I said, we need to start talking about them a bit more. I know I hold in my emotions and try not to. I actually try not to talk about these things. I, I, there's a lot of stuff that I, I'll, sometimes something will come to mind and I'll just talk about it with Juggy like a memory and then he starts to well up um and then I think because I'm probably protecting everyone else around me I'll just try and hold it in instead but yeah no thank you Jesse. and I I really hope this episode brings 
new conversations um, in certain homes and with certain people because it's something that we need to talk about. And I really hope that with this episode and with, with Carlson Foundation, we can help a lot more, a lot of more kids um, in the country. Um, thank you so much, Jesse. No, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. And thank you, Jesse, for being so raw and so open with your, with your life. And I know it was difficult for Jesse to, to express everything and talk about everything because it's tough, man. It's tough when you go into to stuff about your family and the relationships you have that are so fragile. Uh, you know, sometimes we are afraid to talk about these things because we don't know the repercussions that this will have. But Jesse is a very brave, very brave person. And for her to come out and, and express herself in this way really means a lot. And I hope it empowers a lot of you as well. Um, remember, you can find Jessie on, on Instagram as well. And uh, the work that she's doing with Khalsa Foundation to help other kids who need foster care will be in the notes uh, in my in my description. So uh, just have a look at that and you can find everything over there. I know I say this all the time. I know I say every week we're going to have a very special guest who's also incredible. But it's true. <laughs> this is what's happening. All my guests coming on are so incredible and so kind to share their stories. So... Please keep tuning in every week. Remember everything. Uh, you can also find everything on, on minosworld.com. And uh, I, I look forward to, to next week's episode again. Uh, thank you to everybody who tunes in. And thank you to my lovely guest, Jussie, as well.